Do you have a social enterprise you want to get off the ground? Looking for guidance for your great idea? Check out the Impact Incubator by the Rollins College Social Impact Hub. The Impact Incubator is a mentor and workshop-led program run each semester that helps student teams receive guidance and funding to pilot or launch a social enterprise idea. Teams are equipped with resources, networks, and actionable steps for turning ideas into impact-generating business models. Check out at Rollins Impact Incubator on Instagram for more info. Uh, where we look at 10 issues that are facing the LGBTQ plus community here in Central Florida, especially as it relates to our uh, ongoing work for full inclusion in every area of life. Our, our desire is that every LGBTQ plus person who lives in Central Florida would be able to be their full selves in every area of their life, right? No, absolutely. And so there, there are things that um, impact that. And those are outlined in our agenda, and that, that ranges from a variety of issues. There's, there's racism, which is very much prevalent everywhere you go, including within the LGBTQ plus community. There's hate crimes and access to health care, homelessness and poverty alleviation, the unique challenges that are faced by our transgender and gender non-binary community. It's really um, our community is so diverse so diverse, um, every age level, every income level, education level, gender, ethnicity, nationality. And so there's always intersections of issues. And depending on an individual's personal identifiers and identity, they might experience any number of things here in Central Florida. Awesome. And, uh, you know, speaking about the One Orlando Alliance, what you know for, for everybody out here that that maybe hasn't heard the name or is trying to find out more information what exactly do you guys do in central florida so like what are some of the specific things that you guys do or implement within central florida um well some of that comes from our our history a little bit so uh in the aftermath of the pulse tragedy um which obviously if, if anyone's connected to central florida you have a general idea of what that is or you might have been um, directly affected in some way. Um, but in the aftermath of Pulse, when everyone was responding to this horrible crisis, um, there were certain members of the LGBTQ plus community that kind of leveraged their personal relationships to get the organizations that were providing direct care to all come together for greater communication and collaboration of, of efforts. And so that, uh, group that came together to care for our community is what evolved into the alliance. And so we haven't been around for that long. Um, there are a lot of LGBTQ plus organizations here in uh, Central Florida that have been here a lot longer. Uh, but we kind of became, uh, uh, originated as kind of an ad hoc group and then grew into a freestanding nonprofit in 2018. And so our, our core identity is, is still what, what we started with, caring for our community, creating greater collaboration and cooperation between various organizations to make sure that everybody gets what they need in terms of the LGBTQ population in Central Florida. And so we have a quarterly meeting where we've got our 40-some-odd um, member organizations, and we come together and we look at the issues that are facing our community, and we figure out how do we move the needle 
how do we make a difference in this area? So some of our group got together to put together the LGBTQ plus mutual aid network and relief fund that helped respond to people who are experiencing issues related to COVID um, in terms of financial need. Um, and then we have uh, we've done some free legal clinics for folks within our transgender community to overcome some of the legal barriers there. We, we are actively in the process of helping to coordinate a unified schedule for uh, events related to the, to the Remembrance of Pulse, which is coming up in June. And so we're kind of the, the bringer together and um, uh, trying to make sure that we're all working cooperatively um, to, to make a greater impact on, on our LGBTQ plus community as well as the community as a whole. That's actually fantastic. And uh, that's a perfect segue into my next question, um, which is for all of us that, you know, maybe we aren't a part of One Orlando Alliance or, you know, we're trying to find some way to help out the LGBTQ plus community. What are some ways that we can all support further inclusion of that, that particular community? I think... Um, to me, it boils down to relationships. And so um, I would encourage uh, anyone who's interested in getting more connected to the LGBTQ plus community here in Orlando and Central Florida, go to our website, oneorlandoalliance.org, to learn more about our organization, but also about our member organizations. And there's probably something that resonates with you or with any given person in a particular way because of your given identity. So say someone comes to you and they're uh, Latinx and they want to connect with an organization that is really focused on the LGBTQ plus Latinx population. They would connect with Q Latinx, one of our amazing member organizations. Or maybe um, uh, someone who is um, transgender or gender nonconforming would connect with another one of our organizations um, that's that's coming onto uh, the radar a little bit more called Gender Advancement Project. Or maybe looking at um, an organization like the Center right there on Mills, which provides a wide range of programs for the, the LGBTQ plus community, or Zebra Coalition, which focuses on LGBTQ plus youth. So it kind of depends on, on what you're passionate about and maybe someone's listening and they're an LGBTQ plus business owner and wants to connect with the Pride Chamber or one of the professional organizations that's connected to our uh, coalition like the Central Florida Gay and Lesbian Legal Association. Um, based on who the person is, what their particular passions are, what, they're, what they care about in the community or how they're already connected in the community, there's probably a group within the alliance that they would... Uh, tie into and you know if you like to sing it's the Orlando Gay Chorus if you like to be in marching band it's the Central Florida Sounds of Freedom so there's just really a broad variety of opportunities to connect based on you know who you are and what you're passionate about well that's absolutely fantastic and uh, I guess for my final question you know we, we had talked a little bit before you were on about um, kind of the negative stigma back you know back decades ago um, that, that surrounded the LGBTQ plus community and, and that kind of negative, negative stigma that surrounds it today, what are some ways that we can get rid of that stigma? What are some ways that we can be more inclusionary? Well, I appreciate that question, really. It's um, the, I would say that 
Um, we are where we are today in terms of LGBTQ rights and inclusion because of LGBTQ plus people who stood up and said, no, you can't treat me like this anymore. And some of the, the most important figures who did that were um, uh, black transgender women, uh, gender nonconforming folks, uh, were folks who um, were part of the Stonewall riot, um, and, and so many figures, uh, black and brown LGBTQ plus civil rights leaders. So the way that change happens is by people showing up as their full selves in the world and saying, hey, you can't, you can't push me around. You can't treat me differently. I am not a second-class citizen. I am not um, someone that you can look down your nose at. I am a full human being, and I deserve every right, every, um, every right that everybody else gets, right? And so for those folks, for those amazingly courageous folks, they spoke out. They used their voice. And others came around them who might not share those same intersections of disadvantage and use their privilege to advocate on behalf of the LGBTQ plus community. And so if you're within the LGBTQ plus community, simply showing up in the world as your full self is a form of advocacy. But if you're not, and if you want to be helpful, then you can show up and speak up when you see something happening that's not supposed to to happen, like you can speak up about the things that affect our community, such as um, when transgender and gender non-binary folks are being targeted, and there's a ton of bills that are targeting the transgender and gender non-binary community right now um, about athletics or about other other uh, issues, and that's happening right now where people are being targeted because of who they are. And you can speak out about that. You can say, no, that's wrong. People are allowed to be themselves, and they shouldn't be discriminated against because of who they are. There's an enormous stigma specifically for our transgender and gender non-binary community. And then if you um, want to support some advocacy organizations that are working on changing legislation, um, one of our partners is Florida Equality. They're doing some amazing work in the, in the legislative field. Um, we also partner with the Human Rights Campaign. Um, we, we are connected with the ACLU. There are organizations that you can support that kind of push that legislative agenda forward. Um, but mostly it's in your day-to-day life when you hear somebody, you know, making a joke or when you see that person sharing something on social that's transphobic or homophobic, um, speak up and say, hey, that's not, that's not okay. It's not funny. It's not... Um, it's not respectful. Um, you need to do better, and let's 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 make that the norm, rather than um, something that we have to keep saying. If, if enough people say, "Hey, I I respect and welcome the LGBTQ plus community," um, then that's going to move the needle. And 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 putting our voices together and keeping speaking up and keeping showing up, it makes a difference. It's why we we are where we are today. And we don't want to take that for granted, and we want to um, keep moving forward. Yes, that those are actually some amazing ways, and, and I love that quote that you just said. You said, change happens when you show your full self to the world. I, I love that. Um, but, but yeah, th- those are amazing ways to, to try and make that impact, and um, I mean, that, that pretty much concludes all the questions I had for you, so I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh, well, thank you so much for the invitation, and, and again, we're 
Our website is oneorlandoalliance.org. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. We would love to connect with you. We would love to share more about what you're, uh, any, anybody might be interested in. And if you want more information about the agenda, you can go to allianceagenda.org, and that's where you can download the PDF. So thank you all so much, and I hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much. Same to you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That was an amazing interview. Um, we're still we're on a streak right now, Matthew. We uh, we haven't had one bad interview yet. <laughs> Not one. So, I mean, I, I think we should keep that streak alive for as long as this show is going on. Um, I, I think that'll be easy for us. <laughs> but but you know what? He made some, you know, Josh, he made some fantastic points in saying when you see something, speak up. And when you, you know, even if you aren't necessarily a part of the LGBTQ plus community, you know, I know myself, I'm, I identify as heterosexual. It doesn't mean that you are somehow not involved or that you don't have to take part or take initiative. All that that means is you have to, you know, all it means is you're, you're a part. We're all human. We're, we're all, we're all one. And when we have to start including one another as such. Um, yeah, I mean, the basis of the show really isn't necessarily LGBTQ plus. That's the title of it. But really, the basis of the show is to tell everybody that, that love comes in many forms. You know, no matter what it is, but you can't discriminate, harm, or harass somebody for that particular way that they express their love. Um, which I think Josh summed up perfectly. Definitely. And I think, like, another big point is being, like, personally accountable, right, to, like, the people in your life. If you see somebody saying something that's mean, that's, like, hurtful, that's derogatory towards the LGBTQ plus community, right? Like, step step in, like, speak out and say something to them, right? Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, a very big confrontation. It can just be, like, a quick text, like, just mean, like, hey, I saw you say something in class, or, like, hey, I saw you post something online, and that's not good, like, that's not, like, a good image to present, right? And just, like, being able to have, like, a good dialogue with somebody, right? No, absolutely, absolutely. And, and yeah, the biggest thing is even, even just making sure that you don't do it, you know? If you can't call somebody's post out, make sure that you don't post anything like that. Make sure you don't say any slurs or derogatory terms. Um, you know, when you refer to somebody as gay, it should be to refer to their sexual orientation, not to insult them or harm them. Um, and, and with those, like, little tips in mind that I think for the most part all of us do, hopefully, um, if not, then you should start doing it, um, that, then our world is going to become a better place, not just our country, but our world. Uh, you know, because it, it really just does take a community, and a community turns into a state, and then a state, you know, so on and so on. Um, but yeah, you know what? We're going to have a lot more discussion about this, a lot more insight. Um, but I think this is a fantastic place to get some music going. Um, so yeah, with that said, stay tuned. We hope you... Are you passionate about social and environmental justice? Always wanting to solve the world's big problems? The Social Impact Hub at Rollins College is here to help you create solutions. The Social Impact Hub is a creative space on the Rollins College campus that provides tools and resources to support you addressing local and global social issues. With a new design lab where you can come together with other passionate people to engage in innovation and active change making, there is no limit to what you can achieve. To find out more, head on over to at Rollins Social Impact Hub on Instagram for more info. And 
and we are back. I hope you enjoyed those amazing songs. Really love that one by ABBA. What do you think, Bobby? Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm a big fan of ABBA. And that song is in Mamma Mia. And for all of you Mamma Mia fans out there, uh, it's a great movie. Like, I love it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think ABBA, every song that they sing is fantastic. <laughs> but we are going to come back and talk some more. Um, you know, just have a brief discussion before we introduce our next guest. And, um, and, and yeah, one thing that we do want to talk, uh, or, or at least touch upon, um, that will kind of help to understand, you know, like the LGBTQ plus community struggles, is to understand gender roles. Um, you see, a gender role is, also known as a, a sex role, is a social role, um, you know, that, that kind of dictates how somebody in a particular gender should act. And for instance, you know, they, you know, back in like the 20th century, they would say, well, men, if you're a man, you go to work. And if you're a woman, well, then you stay home. And those are gender roles. Those are assigning tasks or assigning responsibilities to a particular gender. Given, we know that that doesn't make much sense. We had talked about this a couple shows back. It doesn't make sense to have gender roles, you know, because everybody's different. It doesn't matter what uh, gender you grow up, your gender that, that you uh, affiliate with. You know, we're all unique. Therefore, we all have to have our unique sets of responsibilities or tasks. Um, and, and how this pertains to the LGBTQ plus community is because as long as we can get rid of these gender roles or at least work towards, uh, you know, kind of uninstalling them in our, in our brains, then we'll be able to be more of an inclusionary community. And I don't want to take too much time from our next guest. So, Matthew, I'll let you take the reins and uh, introduce our next guest. So our next guest is Dr. Nolan Klein. He works here at Rawlings College. Um, this is a recorded interview because, unfortunately, Dr. Klein did have something scheduled during this hour for the radio show. But I hope you all enjoy. Dr. Nolan Klein, I'm assistant professor of anthropology and the co-coordinator of the Global Health Program. And I am currently the principal investigator of a study funded by the National Science Foundation that looks at how LGBTQ plus organizations that emerged after the Pulse shooting are advancing uh, social justice for sexual and gender minorities and racial minorities. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges facing the LGBTQ plus community here in Central Florida? Good question, Matthew. So like LGBTQ plus communities nationwide, one of the biggest challenges that we see here in Central Florida is the precarity associated with employment and the persistence of workplace discrimination. So LGBTQ plus people often experience workplace discrimination and are at risk for um, mistreatment and termination because of their identities. And that's certainly the case in industries like hospitality and tourism. Uh, and that seems to be a big portion of what we do here in Central Florida. On a more micro level, one of the things that is certainly um, at the top of my mind at the moment for LGBTQ plus communities in Central Florida is the current um, slate of anti-trans legislation that's being proposed in the Florida legislature. At the moment, there are a number of bills that severely restrict trans individuals' rights, including one bill that actually makes it a crime if a, if a health provider 
provides any kind of gender affirming surgery for a transgender individual. So that is certainly a big challenge for our community. I'll also say that another challenge that our community faces is being more attentive to, to the diversity in the LGBTQ plus community and making sure that we really center on the lives of our uh, Black, Latinx, and um, other people of color who are part of our LGBTQ plus um, family. Those are some really great points. On our last show, we were talking about um, workplace rights and how those work. And so how do you think the intersection between being LGBTQ plus and say like the workers' rights movement works here in Central Florida? Great question, Matthew. And I'm actually seeing a lot of ways that these are coming together. I'm going to give you a great example from one of the local community-based organizations that uh, I get to work with as part of my research. And that organization is Q Latinx. At the beginning of the pandemic, Q Latinx, along with collaborators from Central Florida Jobs with Justice, organized um, uh, a labor demonstration for trans um airport workers. And so what they discovered as part of this effort was that transgender airport workers were being harassed at their places of employment. They were routinely misgendered and they were denied requests for time off and simple things that we think of as being associated with our normal day-to-day -day work life. Uh, so one of the things that I saw from that movement was this effort to raise awareness about the problem, but then also to take action and demand that this change. So Q Latinx and Central Florida Jobs with Justice um, started hosting events and making demands to uh, change some of these discriminatory practices. And what that looked like was pressuring uh, large corporate parents like Starbucks, for example, uh, to question and re-examine its relationship with the um, companies that were placing lo Starbucks locations in the airport with the understanding that if you can't provide a safe and affirming environment for all workers, then perhaps this um, uh, location isn't going to work for a Starbucks, right? Um, Besides that, though, I'm also seeing increased collaboration between organizations focused on labor rights and LGBTQ plus rights with this overall understanding that in order to have economic inequality, we need an economy that works well for everyone and is inclusive of everyone, regardless of their um, sexual orientation or gender identity. Uh, and that, you know, if we're if we're also trying to advance LGBTQ plus rights, we need to be attentive to economic inequality. Definitely. I think that that's like a really great point when I think about the nature of labor rights and how those work um, and the protections that aren't and aren't granted to specific classes of workers, especially like you were discussing previously, like trying to fold in um, more diverse sections of the LGBTQ plus community, right? Like and oftentimes when we look at Black and Latinx workers, like those are the kinds of people who are doing like agricultural work, right? Domestic work, like that work doesn't have protections. And so I think it's really important for all of us to be paying attention to the news and like looking and seeing like what's happening and where it's happening, how we can all get involved. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that, that point about agricultural workers is another really good one, especially as we think about COVID-19. So, you know, with COVID-19 right now, we're thinking about who's vulnerable and who's at risk of exposure. And we might think of the elderly or people with certain medical conditions that place them at increased risk. 
But really, we need to be thinking about things like the social determinants of health, the social situations that people live and work in, uh, and and how those situations affect their risk for COVID-19. And agricultural workers are a great example. So these are folks who are, in some cases, picking in the fields um, right next to each other, and and as a result of that proximity, then have increased risk for COVID-19 exposure. They don't have the luxury to be socially distant or to work from home, their jobs literally rely on them working in the fields um, and, and working right next to one another. When you add on to that a layer of vulnerability and being an LGBTQ plus farm worker, right? So if you're a queer and a farm worker, then suddenly you're compounding the social, um, the social circumstances that contribute to your vulnerability. How do you think that regular individuals can work towards like changing that kind of thing right like when i'm thinking about like the average person and oftentimes you say like vote and also like thinking about where you put your money um as when i'm thinking about like your starbucks example right but like what are some other ways that average people can work towards like more inclusivity and greater rights for the lgbtq plus community oh what a good question and certainly i just want to echo thinking about where you put your money, right? So voting with your dollars uh, and certainly indeed exercising the vote. Um, but, you know, I would also say uh, finding ways to uh, volunteer time, of course, with organizations that serve LGBTQ plus organizations, or excuse me, LGBTQ plus <laughs> populations, particularly um, people with intersecting LGBTQ plus um, and racial minority identities. So where there are some really great groups here in Orlando, like the Bros and Convo Initiative, um, led by Daniel Downer. We have amazing local leaders who are doing this incredible work. Uh, so finding ways to support and uplift those organizations, I think, is something that we can all do. Um, for, for those who sort of want to, to be engaged more in a political arena, you know, Equality Florida, the state's largest LGBTQ plus organization that advocates on, um, uh, on LGBTQ plus rights, has lobby days every year, and they're always looking for volunteers. And what that does is it puts you front and center having a conversation with your local, local um, or excuse me, state elected officials where you can voice your concern with them and ask them to champion LGBTQ plus rights. And it becomes a lot more difficult for your legislator to look you in the eye and tell you that they're not going to support that, right? Um, they can ignore your letters and ignore <laughs> your phone calls. But when you're participating in something like uh, lobbying days that Equality Florida organizes, you are meeting face-to-face -face or during the pandemic virtually with your with your legislators. Uh, so there, there are a couple of ideas. Um, the other thing is I, I do want to emphasize that um, there are organizations who are actively working on this. And um, I think of, for example, the Contigo Fund, which just launched the All Black Lives Initiative, this um, uh, fundraising and grant-making initiative that specifically prioritizes Black LGBTQ plus people and provides uh, right now $100,000 to Black-led LGBTQ plus organizations, and the Contigo Fund is looking for a constant uh, way to replenish those funds. So uh, there's one easy thing. People can give a few dollars to the Contigo Fund's All Black Lives um, initiative as a way to start supporting LGBTQ plus issues and, and 
champion um, uh, inclusion broadly. Thank you so much for all of those um, different ways, Dr. Klang. When you were talking about the Contigo Fund and QLatinX, that was making me think about how do you think that the intersections between like race and sexuality and gender, what do you think those mean for initiatives aimed at the LGBTQ plus community, right? Because like, I'm thinking about all the organizations that you've mentioned and a lot of those are obviously like grassroots, right? Like those come from people like looking around and seeing like where there was a lack of access or like a lack of care for them and like broader um, organizations or like previous organizations that had existed. So like, what do you think for like initiatives aimed, be it like at a governmental level or if we're just thinking in terms of like non-governmental organizations, how do you think they should be thinking about the intersections between those different ideas? This is such an important question and has to be the persistent question that we continue to ask ourselves in any space where we find ourselves, right? And I think that the, the heart of that question is for any kind of action or any kind of policy or any organizational initiative, we have to think who has a seat at the table and who doesn't have the, the seat at the metaphorical table and think through why it is, right? Why is that the case? And I'm a firm believer following the, the wisdom and guidance of local leaders like Marco Antonio Quiroga, who is the leader of the Contigo Fund, Daniel Downer from Frozen um, Convo, and amazing leaders um, like uh, Mulan Williams, who is starting the Divas in Dialogue organization, uh, the space for Black trans women to have meaningful conversations and support one another. Um, I am inspired by, by their leadership and the way that they have made this exact point that for so long they didn't have a seat at the metaphorical table um, where uh, organization leaders and policymakers have been making these initiatives that that they were sort of dreaming up uh and so from that then i think we can learn from their wisdom to consider when thinking of any kind of action or initiative who's included who's excluded who's not here and then how do we make a concerted effort uh to bring people in as a way to um, uplift their experiences and voices and make sure that those experiences and voices are driving whatever the initiative is so um the the sort of short answer then is we have to be doing this work with the mindful intentionality of inclusion and that requires constantly asking who's here and who's not I think that's a great point about inclusion, right? Like I think about the Angela Davis quote about diversity and inclusion, about how exactly that works for organizations. And I think like an important part of that, right? And making sure that inclusion is done correctly is that you're like constantly asking, you're constantly talking to the people um, about who these initiatives and who these organizations are designed for, right? Like you can't just bring people in um, and then just have them there to be like a face of something. You have them there and you're actively like talking to them and involving them in what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so our last question for you is, what do you think a world without oppression looks like for you? Um, obviously that's like a really big question. I can have like a really big answer, but like however you'd like to take it. Oh, I love that so much. Um, well, to me, a world without oppression uh, is a world where people can be free to live as their true and authentic selves without any kind of fear 
and without any stigma or shame. And, um, you know, this, this includes then sort of um, making sure everyone has a seat at that metaphorical table who wants to be there and has the capacity to be there. Uh, and it also means that there aren't societal pressures to uh, force people not to be there, their authentic selves. Um, so that's sort of what, you know, conceptually I can think of um, and, and practically what, what it looks like to me, going back to what I mentioned about, you know, in, the, in your first question, what are the challenges we have in Central Florida? And I mentioned this very specific legislation targeting the trans community. Um, well, a world without oppression to me looks like, um, you know, no efforts to pit groups against one another or create divisions within the one human population. And it looks like, um, you know, an absence of, uh, of policies, proposed policies that restrict people from being who they authentically are. Um, so that is what a world without oppression would look like to me. And we are back. We hope that you enjoyed that amazing interview. Um, you know, a lot of great insight, but we're all short on time, so we hope you learned uh, a lot, you know, not just necessarily about the LGBTQ plus community, but, but about love. You know, that love comes in all forms. Um, so we'll be heading out right now. We're going to leave you with one thing. It was Joshua Bell's quote, which was, in order to make change, you have to show your true self to the world. Um, and I honestly think that's one of the best ways you can make an impact now. I think that's a really amazing point. Remember, get in touch with us. Our Instagram is at Rawling Social Impact Hub. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. You can also hear us in Florida on WPRK 91.5 FM, the best in basement radio. Impact Now is produced by the Rawlings College Social Impact Hub. This episode was produced by Matthew Gaveau. It was written by Matthew Gaveau and Bobby Sega.